Well, good morning. <clears throat> good morning. I don't have. I may. I may not have a voice left. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Steve's on the ball. Thank you, Steve. Uh, our current series is titled "How to Neighbor," and that it comes from a, a, a question that a man asked Jesus. He got into a conversation with Jesus, and the issue came up of of what are the two greatest commands. And, and, you know, and, and Jesus said, well, what do you think they are? And the man said, oh, well, it's to, to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and you know, the, those are the two greatest commands. And everything else finds fulfillment in those two things. In fact, sometimes I think if we just spend the rest of our lives just trying to do those two things, we won't go wrong. If we can spend, I mean, and, and it's not as easy, it's only two things. I mean, you think we ought to be able to, you know, get two things down pat, right? But yet we spend our lives trying to do those two things, to, you know, loving God with everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that's in us, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Everything else finds fulfillment in those two things. So the man then brought up the question and said, well, who's my neighbor? See, he wanted to clarify something. He wanted to clarify who he had a responsibility to love. You know, who do, who, who do I have to love? You know, who's my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Or, you know, who we could get by with not loving. So he's wanting to clarify that, and he's asking a question but rather than answer the question of who, thank you, Steve, <clears throat> thank you, rather than answering the question of who is my neighbor, Jesus answered another question. He answered the question of how. How do I love my neighbor? Or how do I neighbor? And he, as he told the story of the Good Samaritan, and we looked at that last week. Last week, we talked about how we neighbor people who are <clears throat> of a different race than us. We talked about the whole issue that's, that, that really is prevalent throughout our country right now, the issue of racism. And uh, we said that racism is not a skin issue as much as it is a sin issue. Because it's primarily not about the color of a person's skin, you know, that's what brings it to light, but rather <clears throat> it's about the sin of the human heart. So how do we neighbor those who are different from us? And we said that it begins by each one of us recognizing our own prejudices, not somebody else's, but our own prejudices. You know, what's in our own heart that is preventing us from loving somebody that's different from us? What are our own prejudices? Then we, we said <clears throat> the next thing that we need to do is to seek to understand others. Understand them. Where are they coming from? What's their history? What's their story? What's their family's story and their family's history? What are the things, in other words, that have shaped them into the person, into the human being that they are? And then the third thing we need to do is to learn to love. Learn to love those who are different than us. Um, we told the story of Keisha Thomas. Uh, powerful story. If you don't know that story, Google it. Keisha Thomas. <laughs> she was an African-American woman who, when she was an 18-year-old high school student, 
uh, went to a rally, to, went to protest with a group of protesters, uh, a rally uh, uh, that the KKK was having in Ann Arbor. And, you know, the police had set up a barrier between the two groups so there wouldn't be any problems. Somehow somebody from, you know, the KKK side, you know, wearing a, 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 the, the, what, the stars and bars, the, the Confederate flag shirt, and with an SS tattoo on his arm, somehow found, you know, got through the barricade and was in the midst of this, of this crowd uh, of protesters, and somebody's you know, you know, spots him and shouts out, there's a Klansman, you know, in our midst. And, and the crowd turns ugly, and they start to beat him. They knock him to the ground. They start beating him and kicking him mercilessly. Well, Keisha Thomas, this 18-year-old African-American high school student at the time, threw herself, she threw her body <clears throat> on the Klansman, in order to shield him. She used her body as a shield to protect him from the, uh, the angry mob that was really fighting hate with hate, which doesn't work. You know, we all know that. And, and she was shielding him. She wasn't agreeing with his positions. She wasn't agreeing with his, you know, anything he believed, anything he thought. She didn't ask any questions. She just said, this person's being hurt. I know what it is to be hurt. And this is wrong, and she threw herself on him and most likely, by all accounts, saved his life. <clears throat> and um, so we looked at, that, looked at that story. She let her faith drive her actions rather than the mob mentality which surrounded her. Um, and uh, uh, you see, often, you know, that, and, and that, was, that was loving somebody that was different than her. See, often we don't understand racism. We think of racism as the presence of hatred, but that's only part of the story. It's only part of the picture. It's more than just the presence of hatred. It's the absence of love. <laughs> racism is the absence of love. So we talked about all of that last week. This week, today, we're tackling another huge topic, and we're talking about embracing orphans. And I'm using the word orphan in the broader sense. Uh, any, any, of a, any, any, any child that's either literally an orphan or is lacking the, the love and nurture and support that God had designed that they should have. And, and we're gonna, I want to start by looking at some sobering statistics uh, concerning children. <clears throat> UNICEF reports that currently 153 million children worldwide are orphans. I want you to think about that. 153 million children are orphans. The International Labor Organization reports that there are 168 million child laborers, accounting for almost 11% of children. Child laborers. You like to go into work when you're tired and you're not feeling up to it? How would you like to be, you know, get up at the break of dawn and go and break up rocks or, you know, work in a, in a mine or whatever, be forced to at the age of eight or nine? United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees reports that there were 65.6 million refugees in 2016. 
And when we think of refugees, we think of men, women, and children. Europolis tells us that 10,000 unaccompanied migrant children are missing in Europe. Missing in Europe. 10,000. UNICEF says there's over 250 million children living in countries affected by conflict. One in four of the world's children live in conflict or disaster zones. 20 people are forced to flee from their homes every minute. Every minute. And many are children. Let me just ask, where are they supposed to go? What if you go home after service, you're sitting in your living room or your dining room or your kitchen, wherever, and you're having lunch, and all of a sudden something happens and you have to flee the house, you have to run, you're in danger, where would you go? You have to flee your town, your city, where, where would you go? bring things a little closer to home. According to Children's Rights Organization, on, a, on any given day, there are 438,000 children in foster care in the United States. 438,000 children in foster care. In 2016, over 687,000 children spent time in U.S. foster care. And here's one of the saddest statistics of all. In 2016, 20,000 young people aged out of foster care without permanent families. No one to go to, no one to go back to, no one to visit on holidays, no one to ask, did you get, oh, you know, get where, where, where you're going, you know, John and Riley um, are visiting this, this year. They live in Kenya, and they're visiting this year, our, our youngest son and, and his wife. And uh, Saturday morning, they, they flew out to North Dakota to visit her dad. And, um, um, you know, I'm tracking on an app to make sure that, that, you know, the plane landed okay. Then they got on their next plane in Minneapolis, and then went from there to, to North Dakota. The plane landed okay there. We heard from them, you know. Imagine if you have nobody. Research has shown that those who leave child care or, or those who leave care without uh, foster care without being linked to forever families have a higher likelihood than youth in the general population to experience homelessness, unemployment, and incarceration as adults. In other words, they've got three strikes against them before they even get started, really get started in life. Whether you use the term orphan, <clears throat> fatherlessness, or just speak in general about kids who are falling through the cracks, and there are distinctions in all those things, but there's also so much overlap, it's clearly a problem of massive and global proportions. And it's also not just out there somewhere, it's right here in our backyard. So today, this message is entitled Embracing Orphans, and we're going to talk about how, how to embrace or orphans or how to neighbor orphans in the broader sense of children who have nowhere to call home or that they lack the support of, of, of two loving and caring parents. 
important, and, and the reason we're talking about this is this is important because it matters to God, because His heart breaks every single day over, over these kids. His heart is broken over the orphan. His heart is broken over those who are marginalized. But the good news is God has a plan. God has a plan. He deeply cares about anyone who's disenfranchised, especially children. See, God's design was that children should be raised in families with a mother and father who would provide for them, care for them, protect them, and nurture them in a safe environment. And, you know, that, that's God's, that was God's plan. But because the world that we live in is broken, it's often not the case. So many things don't work as they should work in this world because this world is broken. So it doesn't work, always work the way that God originally intended. And as a result, we have children without, father, without fathers or without mothers or without any family at all. And those who are least, or, who, or excuse me, those who are the most vulnerable and are least able to care for themselves are often in situations where they have little or no support and often are particularly susceptible to abuse because they've got no one to stand up for them. No one to speak up for them. No one to be there for them. So God came up with a plan. Look at James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Would you like to know what religion that God accepts God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. You know, religion at its core, at its purest, at its, at its you know, best, this is what it is. You know, he doesn't say it's to memorize the whole Bible. He doesn't say that it's to make, you know, a big sacrifice for God. He doesn't say that it's to, you know, James doesn't say that it's, it's to give large sums of money. He doesn't say to, to, to be in church every time the doors are open. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You want to know what God's plan is? God's plan A is the church. It's the church. It's you and it's me. It's the church. As you read through the Gospels, you're going to find a central theme running throughout. Loving and caring for those in need. And children are among those most in need. Think about some of the biggest problems in our world today. You know, broken families, fatherlessness, divorce, poverty, abortion, substance abuse, incarceration, homelessness, domestic abuse, gang violence, racism, unwanted pregnancy, human trafficking. The list goes on and on and on. Huge problems, all of them in our world. Let me ask, who do you think pays the highest price for every one of those problems? The kids, the children, right? The ones who didn't cause the problems, the ones who don't have the ability to solve the problems, are the ones that are paying the highest price. They are the most vulnerable, vulnerable among us and the least able to stand up and speak for themselves. That's why God tells us in Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4 says, tells us, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. 
deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Now, let me ask you something. Who is he speaking to? He's not speaking to the government. He's speaking to his people. He's speaking to his people when he says that. He's speaking to his people when he says, defend the weak and the fatherless, the, uh, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. He's speaking to us. You see, government programs are not the answer. Now, having said that, I'm not against them. In fact, I'm, I'm all for them. I'm all for the government programs that, that, that help the children and help those that, that really need the help. But all too often we expect the government to step in and do what is really the church's responsibility to do. We should have government programs to help with those in need. That's right, but it's not primarily their job. It's ours. It's the church's job. Government's just plan B. But it's the church's job. I want you to picture this. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the church got to the place where it could say to the government, we don't need those programs anymore. We got this. You can stop the funding. You can stop all, the, you know, all of that with the programs. Go ahead, stop it. We're going to take care of it. We got this. And it not be because uh, we want to cut taxes, but rather because the church is doing such a good job of caring for those in need that there's no longer a need for the government program. Wouldn't that be awesome? Until that day comes, though, we better hang on to some government programs. Right? Because one way or the other, it's got to get done. Look at Psalm 68. Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6 says that God is a father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. I was thinking about this as I was looking at that. If our goal as a church is to be more like Christ... Right? How many would agree with that? Our goal as a church is to be, become more like Christ. None of us are there. None of us have arrived. Some of us have maybe another day or two to work on it, right? Not me, but I know some of you are really good at this. All right. If that's our goal, and Christ is the image of the invisible God, according to Colossians 1.15, or he is the exact representation of his being, the Bible says, then what does that say about you and me and what we as believers are to do? If that's the father's business, to be a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, and so forth, if that's his business, shouldn't it be, shouldn't it be our business as well? Yeah, it should. These things should matter to us. Now, I think a lot of times... <clears throat> We look at the situation, and it does matter. Our hearts are broken, and it's like such a huge problem. We think, but what can I do? I mean, those stats, I almost didn't want to share those stats earlier because the problem is so overwhelming. You can look at that and say, I can't do anything. 
But the fact is we can do something. And I want to spend the rest of our time this morning, I'm just going to toss out some things. And we're not going not to you know, take very long this morning, but I just want to toss out some things, um, that, that some ways that, that we can respond um, things that things that we can do. You know, you've got a number of blanks on your outline. Don't worry about getting a certain word in the blanks and, you know, everything matching up. I want you to just listen and think and listen not as much to me but, at, but to the Holy Spirit and, and listen to Him and say, you know, okay, God, is there something in this one that you would have me to do or in this one? Listen to His Spirit and then write down anything that you think might be something that you could do. I'm not asking for people to say, yes, I'm going to do this one, boom, write it down. I'm saying maybe there's something that God is speaking to you. Maybe there's something that God wants to show you. Maybe there's something that is stirring in your heart that, that you can respond in one of these. And as any thoughts come to mind, maybe there's something that I'm not even going to talk about but it's come to your mind, then write that down. And then later on, take those things and take them into prayer and say, okay, God, are you speaking to me about this? And if so, how do I get started? What's my next step? What do I do? So we're going to list, and not all these things are for everybody, but there should be something we're going to talk about that, that all of us can do. I want to start off with uh, one. It's called it, it, it's, it's, it's fostering. Fostering, becoming registered in the system to provide a home for a child who, for whatever reason, is unable to be with their parents. Fostering, very practical way that, that we can love those who um, uh, do not have the support system, uh, uh, do not have the, the, uh, uh, the parental support system that God had intended. Fostering provides a loving and stable environment for a child at a very difficult and crucial time in their life. Um, some of you, I think, have, you know, have, have been through the system, and you know the reality of that more than you want, would like to admit. Uh, another option would be to take it a step further and adopt. Adoption is, a, is, is always a possibility. Maybe you can't prevent... 20,000 young people from aging out of foster care system without a permanent family. But maybe you can reduce that number to 19,999 by adding one to your family. Or maybe you can open your home to someone who's got no place to call home except one of the many numerous, numerous orphanages around the globe. Now, those are two options that, that you know, fostering adoption they're probably not something most of us can do. So don't go, you know, out of here thinking, you know, oh, I can't do this. Uh, what, a, what a worm I am, you know. I, I'm just not able to take this on. Most of us are not at a place to be able to take that on. But I also just don't want us to just rule it out because there may be someone here that God is speaking to and or wants to speak to and say, yeah. That is something I can do. There might be. There might not be. I don't know. I'm not going to make that decision. Yeah, Mary?
<laughs> that's, yeah, and, and that's amazing. And I'm not going to say that, um, I'm not going to say that God is telling you to do that. That's for you and the Lord to decide. What I am going to say is this. Your heart is exactly what we need. Your heart. And, I mean, because we have watched you. We have watched you with kids. Your heart is exactly the kind of heart that we need throughout for, for and, and that these kids need. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's uh, uh, amazing. Now, most of us aren't in a place. You know, and, and just just to um, clarify something in case somebody says, well, yeah, that's expensive. Y- you're not that independently wealthy, are you? <laughs> okay, I, 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 I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. So anyway, but but, you know, so so that is, you know, that, that is one option. Um, but there's also other things. Sponsoring a child is a way that we can help a child. Now, it's, it's, uh, we don't have as much personal contact. I mean, like, compa- many of you sponsor kids through Compassion International. I mean, we've had Compassion Sundays here for numerous years. Many of you sponsor a kid. Uh, I'm always for a show of hands, but many of you sponsor kids through Compassion, Compassion International, have for years, or through World Vision or a program similar to that. There are rescue kids, from, uh, rescue programs that... Uh, you can sponsor a kid, uh, uh, I think Destiny Rescue has that, that's been uh, rescued from human trafficking, and, and there's, you, know, you can build a relationship with a child through letters and that, and that's something that, that many people can do, and, and many of you are. Uh, there's also the issue of mentoring. You can become a mentor to a child, maybe through an organization like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or some other program that links young people up with caring adults with someone that can just, just build a friendship with them, build a friendship and help them through life. I mean, help them navigate some of the, the decisions that they run into at a difficult point in their life. Um, um, and, and, you know, just befriend a kid who needs a healthy adult role model. You know, come alongside a person who help them to, uh, to journey through life. Model Jesus to them. Well, how do I do that? Well, maybe there's someone you can, a kid you can take to a ball game. Ask their parent. Maybe it's a single mom raising kids. Say, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Come alongside and, and, and ask a parent what you can do to help. You know, if, maybe you're taking your family to some kind of family activity, family outing. Invite a young person along who you know would not normally have that opportunity. Ask if they want to go to a local, you know, uh, uh, football game or baseball game or basketball game. Or maybe you know a kid, you know they're involved in a sports program and you know a little bit about their situation at home. They don't have the support of two loving, caring parents. Maybe it's a single parent trying to raise the kid the best they can, and, and their just time is so limited, but they, they, you know, they, they play their sport, they go to their games every week, and there's never anybody there to cheer them on, to watch them. Maybe you can start showing up at games and cheering them on, talking to them afterwards. Oh, man, that was great. When you caught that interception, that, would, that turned the game around. That was so cool. 
do you know what it does to a, a young person when somebody notices them, when somebody notices something good that they do, when somebody is there to support them, somebody is there to encourage them, somebody is there to cheer them on? So befriending someone. There's also things you can do to support, you know, like maybe volunteer at a place like the Hannah Center or the Hannah House. Being a voice for the unborn. Ladies, maybe you can befriend a teenage mom or a girl who's pregnant who feels alone and is scared to death, doesn't know what she's doing, and would love to have someone a little bit older come alongside to help and to guide. All these are things that are representative of things that we can do. The, 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 the thing is to open our eyes. That's all I'm saying. Let's open our eyes and see where can I make a difference in a young person's life, either in a formal setting or an informal manner. Where can I make a difference? <clears throat> On a larger scale, we as a people can learn to welcome refugees and immigrants. Let me say something about that such a volatile hot button in our nation right now, refugees and immigrants. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't claim to have all the answers. But I do know this, that when we start separating young children from their parents, we've committed a far worse injustice and a far greater wrong than anyone who ever entered the country illegally did. It's just wrong. The child did nothing. We need to get to the place as a church where we ignore the rhetoric and listen to what Jesus is saying. I'm not making a political statement. I'm just saying that much of what is being done and much as and, and, and being purported that we do is rooted in one thing, and it's fear, plain and simple. We're being pumped with fear by the media and by people with an agenda. We're having fear pumped into our lives. And I want to ask, is that how we want to live our lives? Reacting in fear and basing all of our, all of our decisions on Fears of what could happen. God has not called us to live in fear of what if. Are we going to do that or are we going to respond to the refugees and immigration situation with the faith of people who follow Jesus and live by His Word? Now, I'm not saying we get rid of all safeguards, rules, and I, I, I'm not saying that. Like I said, I don't have all the answers, but I know the answer isn't way over here and the answer isn't way over there. The answer is right here in the middle. 
The answer is where Jesus is. It's not in all the fear, and it's not in anything goes. It's in wisdom. It's in the love of Jesus. The Bible says a perfect love drives out fear. As we read in Psalm 68, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. <clears throat> I don't know that you can get a whole lot lonelier than a refugee families who's, who's had to flee their home, flee their city, flee their country, and go to a place where they know nobody. What if God wants to bring a refugee to your door, but all they find is a wall. We need to consider something. At one time, all of us were aliens, estranged, estranged from God, with no right to approach Him, <clears throat> and no way to approach Him. Because a wall of sin separated us from God, kept us from Him. But God in His mercy tore down that wall through Christ's death on the cross, embraced us as the orphans we were, and adopted us into His family. Look at Ephesians 1.5. It says, God decided in advance. He, he had, see, he, he had planned this out. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. That means through our faith in Christ, through repentance of our sin and our faith in Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. If only we would do what our Heavenly Father did for us and welcome others like that into our heart. God adopted us into his family, gives full rights as sons. There may be somebody here that isn't that has never said yes to that offer. See, he doesn't force it on us. He, just, he doesn't just come and take us and say, okay, you're mine and you have no say about it. He gives us the option. He says, I want you as part of my family. You can come to me. The wall's down. The door's open. You can come to me. I want you as part of my family. What do you say? We have to say yes to that. To say yes means to turn from the sin in our life, from the things that we're doing that don't please God. It means to, to that, that the Bible calls that repentance and put our faith in Christ. Say that Christ is the only way that I can come to the Father. He's the only way I have access because He died on the cross, He, he, he was buried, 
And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And as he rose from the grave, he gave us life. He gives us life in him if we will simply receive it and put our faith in him. If you're here and you've never taken advantage of that, I don't want to leave here today without giving you opportunity. And I don't know, maybe everybody here has, I don't know. Sometimes we can, you know, make assumptions about people. And we think, well, you know, they're here all the time. Just because they come doesn't mean they've said yes. I want everybody to close your eyes for a moment and bow your heads. I don't want anybody looking around. I just want this between each of us as individuals and the Father in heaven. The Father's who's saying, will you accept my offer of adoption into my family? Like I said, most of you I know have said yes to that, but in case there's any that haven't, I want to give you the opportunity right now. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now? I'm just going to take a minute. Okay, would the worship team come on up? I want us to take a minute while they're coming and just ask God what he would have us to do. Maybe it's something that we talked about. Maybe it's... Um, something we didn't even touch on, but God's speaking into your hearts. Father, I want you to show us, show us this morning that how we can embrace the orphan. What can we do? We're talking about neighboring those around us, neighboring uh, the orphan, neighboring, learning how to love and embrace Father, I ask that you would show us specifically. Maybe something that came to mind and we wrote down on those blanks on the bottom of our insert. Maybe it's something that we haven't even thought of yet. And something's going to happen this week that's going to trigger something. And we're going to think of this and think, yes, maybe this is it. Father, I ask that you open our eyes to what you're wanting to show us. Open our ears to what you're wanting to speak to us, to how we can love uh, 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 kids in particular that don't have the support system that you intended. Maybe they have some, but it's not everything that you had intended it to be. Or Maybe it's someone who has both parents, but the parents aren't there emotionally or physically half the time. I, I, I don't know, Lord. There are so many nuances. There's so many different variations of this issue. All I know is this. You love children. And there are so many that are not receiving the love and the support and the care that you have intended. And it breaks your heart. And you have a plan for that. And that plan is the church. That plan is us sitting in this room 
It's the church in, in, in this community. It's the church around the globe. It's your people. Because we're your hands and we're your feet. We're your mouthpiece. Use us, Lord. That's our prayer. And just give us direction and show us how and show us who. And maybe we can't do anything about the, what was it, 200,000 that leave the foster system every year. I think that was the stat. Every year without a permanent family or home. But maybe we can do one. Show us how to make a difference in one life. And then by your grace and your empowerment and your direction, we will do what you show us to do. We'll take that first step of faith with confidence, trusting that you will back up, as, that you will back us up as we take the next step. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to, uh, as we close out the service with our uh, giving of our tithes and offerings, and um, uh, the ushers are going to come in just a minute as the worship team leads in another song, uh, and uh, just ask you to give what the Lord has laid on your heart, what He's, what he's told you to give. There's that tithe that's the first 10% of our income, and then offering would be anything over that if the Lord puts that on your heart. There's two different ways you can give, either through the, uh, the bag as it comes your way, you can uh, deposit the offering in there, or if you want to give electronically, you can either go to the Tithely app or go to our webpage, bloomingtonvineyard.com, and give electronically uh, that way as well. So let's go ahead and prepare our hearts to give. Also, as the bag comes by, um, uh, I don't have one up here, but as the bag comes by, uh, drop the green card that you filled out in the bag, and we'll make sure that it gets to the right place. But if you're visiting with us today, rather than do that, if you would just take it out to the uh, uh, hallway out here to our welcome center and hand it to the person behind the table there, they will give you a welcome gift, a little gift bag that we've prepared, something we'd just like to bless you with and say thank you so much uh, for being with us today, and uh, we'd love to see you next week as well. All right? So, Father, as we prepare our hearts to give, we give for the joy and the confidence that you're going to take this and you're going to use it to love and to change lives, to bring hope, to minister purpose, to help those who need help, to bring the message of your and the gospel, your kingdom to this community. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.